Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tudo Português. My name is Angela Samoz, and I am here with our guest today, Paul Silva. Welcome, Paul. Olá, boa tarde, bom dia. Aliás, depende da área de país em questão. And I'll switch it back to English now for the rest <laughs> of the audience. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I so as many out there know, I'm I'm third generation, and so well, I have conversational level Portuguese. I, I don't think I could do a whole podcast <laughs> fluently. So I appreciate uh, you switching back to English. So today we're going to talk about not really an organization or or a business or anything like that. We're going to talk a little bit about you know how do we express our Portugueseness and our Portuguese pride kind of in everyday life, and then also through your experience, um, the diversity issue. So why don't you give our listeners just a little bit of background on yourself, because I think you have an interesting story about you were born here, but then you grew up in Portugal and you came back. And so give our listeners a little bit of background. Sure, of course. So I was born in Rhode Island, and we, my parents are Portuguese immigrants, very traditional, typical story you hear from the community. And much like many of their friends and neighbors around here, when they come to the U.S., they work, they save, and they start a family. But there's always that nagging thought in the back of their mind of going back home. So when I was eight, uh, when I was about to turn 10 or so, my parents decided that they were going to return to Portugal. And of course, I was just about to turn 10, so I went with them. We had gone back on vacation routinely, but this was a true move. We packed up everything and off to Portugal we went. We lived maybe about 15, 20 minutes outside of Lisbon, right by the beach. I was inserted into the Portuguese school system at grade on the fourth grade, went and all how, the way through to how the- How did you uh, feel about that? How did, uh, like, as, was, a, as a 10-year-old, you were like, oh my God, I'm leaving my friends. How does that, how'd that go? Well, my household was very, very- Portuguese. So we hung out at the Portuguese club. We went to the Portuguese feasts. I went to Portuguese school. Mm -hmm. So going back to move to Portugal was almost in my mind, like a prolonged vacation. I, you know, we'd go for a month or so. <laughs> okay. And in my head as a 10 year old, I'm like, well, this is great. I'm going to go back there. And it's just going to be just like vacation. Obviously it wasn't. There were Definitely some transition pains between the culture of the Portuguese community in Rhode Island versus the Portuguese society, mm -hmm. living, growing, you know, having jobs, everything else in Portugal, especially just outside Lisbon. My parents are from a more rural area, but we moved closer to the uh, urban centers. Uh, schooling was very different, you know, much stricter, much more in depth than mm -hmm. the typical U.S. elementary school. But, you know, it's like everything else. You're, you're a kid. You adapt. You make friends. You grow up. But when I turned 18, I had been saying for a while that I was going to return to the U.S. And when I turned 18, back to the U.S., we came. My parents came with me because I'm an only child and they can't leave me more than eight feet away from their site. <laughs> so we came back here, uh, went, started going to college and through the usual path of college, grad school, jobs, life, I ended up having my career here, and that's where I'm at. And before we started recording, we were talking about how you, you know, in your workplace, kind of uh, show your Portuguese pride, right? But without 
you know, draping a flag over your cubicle. <laughs> so I would love, I, I love some of the things that you have there. If you could share that with our listeners. Sure. I'd love to do that. So Rhode Island has a very large Portuguese community and we're very, even within our Portuguese community, we're very different for a relatively small country. Mm-hmm. We have a very uh, diverse group of people, both Portuguese and people that are here that have some tie back to the country historically. Some people like to walk around in their Ronaldo jersey and, you know, big flags flying around. That's not my style. I tend to be more typical of the Portuguese people I grew up with, a little more understated. So I do have a few different things in my office that reflect the, uh, the Portuguese background. So I have a little tile from Fulham Pessoa that states, Deus quer, o homem sonha, a obra nasce. And it's just sitting there and people see it. And sometimes they'll ask me what it means. And God wills it, man dreams it, and the work is born. I have a few small Portuguese flags that I got from the a couple of the fire departments in Portugal. I'm the rescue captain for my volunteer fire department here, so I communicate regularly with them. And I have another pin here with a Portuguese crest that I also got from one of their emergency services. So those little subtle things that are here. I have a Benfica hat that I like to keep in the office to remind people of Benfica, Glorioso. But most importantly, and probably my point of pride and what draws the most people to my office, I have my espresso machine that is designed and built by a Portuguese coffee company. I'm not sure I can use their name, but you know, I think yeah, you can you figure can. it out. It's fine. All right. <laughs> it's, a, right. It's, it's Delta. <laughs> yeah, it's a Delta Q. <laughs> yep, it's, it's a Delta Q coffee maker. Um, it only uses the Delta Q little coffee pods. So I make sure that we have Portuguese espresso at least once or twice a day in the office. And next to it, there are four little bottles of port wine that are sealed. I think our HR folks don't love that too much about me, but they, they, they adjust. And of course, there's always a little bottle of ginjinha as well, because you can't go to Portugal, especially Lisbon, and not get a ginja. So these are my subtle little hints of mm-hmm. Portugal that are in my office and all around at all times. So some people have a candy jar at their desk and you have an espresso machine to attract friends. Correct. Um, you know, we can sit and have coffee and, and discuss things in the, that matter in the workplace. And side note, are you able to get the pods at a local store there in Rhode Island, or do you have to have them shipped from Portugal? There are stores here in the U.S. that sell them. There are a couple in, in Rhode Island specifically, but I usually, I'm, I'm a bit too lazy and I go right to Amazon and do it that way. Ah, uh, okay. I was going to say. Unless yeah. my parents, unless my parents are going to the actual shop, they'll pick it up for me, but otherwise I'll just order it via right. the internet. That is one thing that the East Coast definitely has over the West Coast is the availability of Portuguese products. Um, I'm always so jealous when I visit and run into store after store. And here we have so few and far between in California. So I love all those things that you have in your office. It reminds me a bit of things that my husband has in his cubicle. And when I was in an office, you know, I had a few things as well. And I bring that up because I think it's important for us to be proud of our Portugueseness, right? And not try to keep it a secret or not talk about it, you know, or, you know, to try and fit in or anything like that. And I I think this also lends a little bit to the reason why you want it to be on the podcast. And you actually even had a conversation with your boss about it, which is making sure that the Portuguese are included when the workplace or HR teams are talking about diversity and including people of all ethnicities. And, you know, there aren't just the standard five that you should include, right? There, there's a lot out there and we have to be the voice for the Portuguese, right? Because that's who we are. 
So talk a little bit about, I guess, that conversation that you had with your boss or and what led you to want to have this conversation today on the podcast. Sure, of course. So our institution is, we're a financial institution in Rhode Island. And like all other Rhode Island institutions, we've been trying to become a more diverse institution, be more reflective of our community and not just preach the word of diversity, but actually put it into mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I noticed was that despite the fact that we have a fairly large Portuguese population in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, the Portuguese did not really come up all that much in the conversation. There was typically just a focus on certain groups and areas and languages. And it just got, it had me thinking after a while that, you know, we still have quite a few Portuguese people that are here, either that immigrated when my parents did in the 70s. Mm-hmm. A few more came over in the 80s. Some are still coming across. We still have a lot to come across to study and then end up staying in the U.S. They, you know, have jobs and careers and get married, etc. We have a lot of first and second generation Portuguese. And they kind of fall into like a little silent minority. Mm-hmm. And I had the conversation with my CEO and I mentioned, you know, we, we've talked a lot about diversity, equity and inclusion but we seem to be focusing just on certain aspects of that versus the community as a whole. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're a Portuguese person, you tend to be kind of a, a minority, but forgotten because you don't really advocate for yourself that much. Mm-hmm. We tend to occupy certain niches and, I, and the data might prove me wrong, but at least it's my perception. We tend to be heavy in the trades like construction, electricians, plumbers, drywall, mechanics, small business owners, restaurant owners. Mm-hmm. They take a lot of my money and I mm-hmm. love every minute mm-hmm. of it. But there's a lot more that we can do. And there's a lot more of our role in the economy, but we tend to be invisible. So I, I mentioned the podcast to him and he was all for it. He encouraged me to get in there and kind of speak up a little bit about how I'm different from what you might see for a typical Portuguese community member in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And I figured this would be a good opportunity to tell the world that we do, in fact, do a little bit more than uh, most people might think. Yeah, you know, it's funny. About maybe 10 years ago now, maybe a little longer, Palkus as an organization was looking for ways to reach the professional community, if you will, you know, for lack of a better term, not to say that, like you said, electricians and restaurant owners aren't professional, but folks that were in corporate America working at Google or, or financial institutions or, you know, in marketing positions or, you know, whatever, because we knew they were out there, but we just didn't know how to reach them. And a gentleman by the name of Angelo Garcia, who is, um, works for Lucasfilm is, uh, very successful and has always been well connected or connected to the community as well, but and also wanting to figure out how do we bring you know the, the Portuguese professional group together, he said, you know, why don't you start having mixers, like professional mixers, you know, in San Francisco? And I said, I just don't think anybody is going to come. He said, I think you'll be surprised. Hold one. And if nobody comes, fine, you don't do it again. But if people come, then you start having them on a regular basis. So we had one and we had like 50 people come. And it was it was Shocking to me because, like you said, I think there are people that you know are in positions at, at Google and the big financial houses or technology companies or or what have you, 
but maybe they just don't have the outlet or maybe they haven't been encouraged. I, I don't know, but I was really pleasantly surprised. And then I had a colleague who also happened to be Portuguese and she lived in, she was from the central Valley where while on the East coast, it's electricians and, and construction out here in California, it's very agricultural. So lots of dairies, farms, um, there is some construction, you know, drywall and companies in the city like San Jose that are owned by Portuguese, but for the most part, it's a very agricultural community out here. And so being from that area, I said, you should come to this mixer and meet some Portuguese professionals. And she says, I know enough dairymen. I don't need to meet another one. <laughs> I said, I guarantee you there won't be any dairymen at this event. Like not that we didn't invite them, but it's in San Francisco. And I, I just don't think we're going to get people to drive out to San Francisco from the, from the country. And she's like, I don't, I, I don't think so. And sure enough, though, at the end of the night, she came up to me and she said, I had no idea that there were this many Portuguese in corporate America. So it's just interesting. Like you said, there were a bit of a silent group. And I don't know why that is. I, I, I honestly, I could take some guesses, but I'm curious to hear why you think that might be where people like yourself or, or myself that are in these companies or in, in this world of corporate America aren't more vocal I don't know. It's a really good. It's a really good question. I think, in my experience, it's been partially because we were brought up to assimilate, become part of the community, get education, get a job, raise a family, and there really was there really wasn't much of a, of an effort to be loud or be noticed mm -hmm, outside mm -hmm. of some of the social clubs that have the feasts and they have the ranch folklorico and the band, maybe a soccer team. But after that, you kind of just faded into the woodwork. You know, you went to church on Sundays and you had dinner with your parents who told you about everything you did wrong in life. Um, <laughs> but outside from that, you um, you really didn't call a lot of attention to yourself. You know, you you yeah. kind of just you were work hard, this, don't cause a problem, hard, don't yeah. cause problems, save up, mm -hmm. save, save your save your money. You know, invest it wisely, be polite, have good manners. And that was that. There mm -hmm. wasn't a big push for getting a lot of attention or calling a lot of attention to ourselves outside, like I said, the feasts, the 10th of June, things like that. Whereas other communities have embraced, you know, advocacy and getting the word out and fundraising and right. everything that goes along with it. And they've, they've become more noticed and they've gained more traction in certain influences and circles, whereas we sort of just stayed quiet and demure throughout everything. Yeah, like if you look at, there's two groups in particular that uh, their populations have to be quite a bit larger than the Portuguese here in the United States. But uh, like there's an Israeli organization that has a, a program called, uh, Her I think it's like Heritage Israel or something like that, right? And they send, I think it's like a few thousand students, Israeli American students back to Israel every year to be immersed in the culture, the opportunities there, the history, to really reestablish this connection, right, with the, the students that are growing up here now, or the, the people that are growing up here now that don't have that immigrant experience. And I feel like those are the kinds of things that we need to start doing to continue, how can I say, keeping our community connected and alive, if you will, because I don't know about over there on the East Coast, but I know here our festas are getting smaller. I mean, there's still some groups that are some people that, 
you know, God bless them. They dedicate their lives and their weekends to keeping the festivals going. But I just, I don't see that sustaining the community at large for the long term. So what are some other things that we can be doing that really brings people forward to not necessarily be loud and, and make noise, but also not be silent, right? And make sure that we're staying connected, that Portuguese are represented, and that we are, you know, included in the realm of diversity, as you as you mentioned. You know what I mean? And the other group that also does it is the Italian American Foundation. And um, oh, it's Birthright Israel. That's what the program is called, not Heritage, Birthright Israel. And then the Italian American Foundation, they have a program. I can't remember what it's called, but they do the same thing where they send like 20 students. It's not as many, but they send like 20 students to Italy and they do a different region every year. But again, it's this, you know, recognition of, listen, the immigration from Italy stalled long time ago. So how do we get the community to stay connected, right? And still proud of the heritage and still liking port wine and Gijinha and and knowing about Soa and all those things, right, that, that you love. I'm just, I'm wondering how do we kind of get people in the mindset to put effort into those things because it takes time and effort and it takes money. Right. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. And we're really kind of getting deep here. <laughs> I don't know that we planned on getting this deep, but I'm curious on what your thoughts are. If like someone like you or some of your colleagues in the workplace, if you all had a discussion about like, what's our responsibility to keep this going? Like how do, what do you think would resonate the most or, or motivate people to really put in the, the time, the effort or the money to keep something like this going? Yeah, that's really a good question. That, that's also a big, big challenge. And you know, to give you the example of the, of the feasts, the various festas around here, some of them are getting smaller and not only smaller, they're getting older. You know, mm-hmm. that population that was very driven to keep these traditions alive they're pushing 70, 80 years old now. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the mm-hmm. energy. The younger generation, what what I've seen more is that they tend to get diluted out over time because you intermarry, you, you mm-hmm. live and work and socialize in the American community at large. So you start, you start to dilute out some of these traditions and, and that's okay because if you go back to Portugal today, you're going to see that it's not the same Portugal it was 20 years ago. Every society evolves and changes. Part of that would come down in my eyes to really funding education for one thing. Mm -hmm. And we have some great schools here in the area, high schools that have Portuguese programs, they have Portuguese language programs, they have history programs, et cetera. Some of the colleges around here have a pretty robust academic setting for Portuguese. You can major in it, you can minor in it, et cetera. But a lot of it really is visibility, getting Mm -hmm. the visibility out. So I'm a one-person tourism board for Portugal. Everybody that talks to me for more than five minutes, I'm like, <laughs> for, I, I tell them right away, forget Paris and Rome. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is you want to go to Lisbon for a few days, then Porto for a few days, Viseu, Mangualde. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to see something beautiful, although I have never been there, hit the Azores and Madeira. My mm-hmm. friends that I went to high school with, they go there on vacation. You'll have a wonderful time, great food, wonderful people, and you'll even save some money. So that goes a long way to get the word out. 
I hate to say it because it's probably very cliche, but the Portuguese national soccer teams made a world of difference of getting Portugal on the map, if you will, because everybody that follows the sport knows knows Ronaldo. Everybody that's followed it knows that they won the Euro and then they're going to host. And so that gets the conversation going a little bit if you're into that type of sport. But to me, really is getting the education out there and letting people know that, A, yes, you should definitely be very proud of being Portuguese and of the country's background and history. B, it's not all just the social clubs and the uh, fisheries industry or the mills where your grandparents worked 40 years ago, that it's a vibrant country. It has a modern economy. It has its challenges just like we do. But you can go there and you can travel, you can get to meet these people. And the, one of the tools that I've kind of used to sort of reconnect, it has its downside, of course, but social media is also great for spreading the word, getting the word out about the Portuguese community, um, knowing the news of what's going on in Portugal, because it will trickle out to the rest of the world economy because they are part of the European market, which does impact us all. And those are the things that, that I think get the Portuguese community more visible. It would be great if we could get some greater support from the uh, foreign ministry in Portugal, get some greater support from the consular network for the folks that are here in the US and to help boost some of that image and some of that networking ability. But you know, we can't have it all. And I know their budgets are pretty strained right now too. So it's a bit tough. But to me, the right. biggest thing really is awareness and education. And even to the Portuguese um, people that are out there today is that you can still go into any field. You can excel at everything. You're full of opportunities. When I was growing up, people used to say, oh, this person, he's Portuguese and he's a doctor. It was, a big, <laughs> it was like, it was a big surprise that he could be both. And I, yeah. like, why is it, why is it a surprise? You know, it's not, <laughs> We're smart too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. you know, I had coworkers that used to be used to be convinced that you're Portuguese, really, and but you're you're gonna work for a cleaning company. Oh God. Yes, that you're right. I don't work for a cleaning company. I'm a lab scientist. Uh, but we have to break some of these stereotypes ourselves. And again, I think that it falls to some of the responsibility people like you and me and and other people who are in these positions and not only just saying, recognizing, yes, I'm Portuguese, but maybe being a mentor or joining a, um, or contributing to a scholarship or getting involved in something that is going to further the education and success of our future generations. Right. I feel like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, how do we really instill or motivate this sense of responsibility of helping future generations? Because I just don't know that a lot of people feel that. I think a lot of people will say, yes, that would be nice. Sure. If I had a kid and there was a scholarship or a trip or a program, yeah, sure. I'd, I'd send them on that. But then what are you doing to make sure that that program actually exists and continues? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, do you donate to your local, to your engineering organization that you belong to? Are you part of the American Medical Association because you're a doctor, you know, that kind of thing? Do you belong to a marketing association as a marketer? So why don't you belong to a Portuguese association 
And if, you know, I understand if, if the festivals aren't your thing, because I've been told many times that I just, you know, the festivals are old. Like we don't even do that in Portugal anymore. And I get that, but there's, there are other organizations out there. Like there's the Portuguese American Bar Association, you know, there's Palcas, there's the associations that support Portuguese language programs in the different communities, right? So there are other things that people could belong to and, and get involved with. I'm just struggling to figure out like what's the motivation to get people to do it? You know what I mean? And I don't I don't know that we'll find the answer here today, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Like other than you just being innately proud and wanting to help, like how do you translate that or how do you pass that on? Let's say you have a coworker that's also Portuguese and you're like, hey, come, you know, let's go to this mixer. And they're like, no, nah, I don't want to go. Like, why not? Like, how would you convince them to go and start getting involved in like the professional side of the community? Well, it feels to me that over the years that many of the Portuguese organizations and um, groups haven't always done a very good job of either marketing themselves or advertising their existence or their presence. Because for the longest time, I thought that the only ones that existed were the social clubs. You know, there's there's one in these this town, there's one in that town. They don't like each other because they have a little rivalry going on. And it always it would always turn me off to stuff. Um, there would be a parish group, and I wasn't really into those groups either. But honestly, until I found Palacus, which I think my girlfriend found, and then just forwarded me an email once, I didn't even know we had a lot of these professional organizations. So part of that- have to send your girlfriend a thank you letter. So tell her sure, thank you for me. Yes. <laughs> I, I will thank her for you, and she will enjoy hearing that she was right. <laughs> right. Something that I don't say often enough, apparently. But uh, yes, we do often kind of sit in the shadows. You don't really know too much about these groups. I never really knew there was a Portuguese bar association mm-hmm. until just now. We tend oh, to well, stay. There you go. Yeah, see. Yeah, see, there you uh-huh. go. <laughs> but that, that's part of the battle is, is getting the word out that I think other Immigrant groups have probably done a better job of, of bringing people in, bringing them together. And in turn, that kind of boosted their voice and got them to a position of being recognized. And I just don't feel like we have that same that same push. We tend to stay very insular and very much to mm-hmm. our own little areas. I don't know how we could get there, to be honest with you. But definitely a big part of it is getting the word out and getting people to, to listen and get some of that high profile. It might be a case of uh, bringing on some of the influence makers, whether it's a politician or a, mm-hmm. you know, an executive yeah. in a large corporation that drives that initiative more so than the average person that you know goes to work and does their job and goes home and tries to find a few extra hours. Fundraising is also a big point. You made a great, a, a great point in terms of, okay, you donate to all these organizations. Why not to one that would bring uh, a group of first generation Americans or second generation to where their grandparents and parents were born and raised mm-hmm. and kind of get that experience and, and savor that a little bit. Certainly the other ones are doing it. There's no reason why we can't do it either. No, absolutely. And, and we are coming to our, to our time at the end of the podcast, but I think this has been a very needed and helpful conversation. I would love to know what our listeners out there think if you have ideas. I think it's clear we have a marketing problem. <laughs> we definitely need to do a better job of 
like you said, getting the word out. And I think a lot of that is on social media. Unfortunately, you know, that's a learning process and not all, a lot of us aren't very good at it. So I, you know, if you're good at social media and you want to help out, please get in touch (laughs) with Falcus. We would love to learn more because we want to reach everybody that has Portuguese heritage and and has a desire to stay connected and, and wants to be involved. But I, I appreciate you reaching out to us, Paul. This has been a really great conversation. I hope it's not the last one. I hope we, we see you at, at future events and look forward to meeting you and your girlfriend in, in person someday. And um, any, any last thoughts you want to share with our listeners? I would love to hear any feedback on this. If anybody shares the same ideas, has had the same experience, if they have anything they'd like to offer in terms of you know, boosting our signal out there. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad that you mm-hmm. are doing this because we definitely, we could definitely use more of that Portuguese voice out in the larger population in the U.S. So it'd be great if we could get everybody a little bit more involved, even if it's just sharing the link or getting the word out and kind of building a little bit of that groundswell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also love to meet you at some point. I'll be happy to talk to you in the future. You have my contact info. Please reach out. Let me know how I can help. I probably won't run into you because I'm over here on the East Coast and I don't make it out to California too often. But if I do, I will probably bring my girlfriend with me and we'll bring our two-year-old son with us who is, al- is already, you know, talking about going to Casa de Volvo. Oh, nice. And I'm trying as hard as I can to get him to say Benfica because grandpa is a sporting fan. Oh, the- well, we love grandpa. <laughs> you know Fine. We love grandpa. But we are Benfica fans. And that's all there is to it. Benfica, Red Sox, and Patriots. That's how it goes. Oh, that's funny. Um, well, you know, we are trying to have more in-person events, like you know, mixers and things like that. We're trying to bring those back, especially now that that COVID is pretty much behind us and we're all just learning how to to live with it or around it um so so keep a lookout for some events coming out from palcus that we are you know we're having one in san jose i probably want to want to come to san jose but you know we are having our gala in dc next year the gala is going to be in miami so and look out for some networking events and yeah hopefully we'll we'll be able to um meet up at one of those events sometime soon but Thank you again, Paul. This has been really great. I appreciate the conversation. There's some great points here. Everyone out there, please share your thoughts with us at palcus at palcus.org. Do you agree? Do you have suggestions? Um, Would you like to be on the podcast? Do you have an organization or a business you'd like to talk about and share with the community? That's what this podcast is about. That's why it's called Tudo Português because we're talking about all things Portuguese. So, and if you haven't hit subscribe to the Palkus podcast channel, please do so now share with family and friends, because again, that's how we, you know, share the information and and get the word out that there are these organizations that exist. And um, with that, thanks again, Paul. It was a pleasure. And we'll we'll talk to you later. Até a próxima. Até a próxima. Thank you. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Tudo Português, a podcast production by Palcus, the only national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community. To learn more about Palcus, how to become a member, or to suggest a guest for our show, visit www.palcus.org 
or email us at palcus at palcus.org.